Hey everyone, before we get to the show, uh, normally this would be done at the end, but you might not get there because I'm bad at hosting. So, uh, you can follow this podcast on Facebook at Passerby Podcast. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at PeoplePodcast2 and on Instagram at Passerby Podcast. Uh, follow us. Well, us. I say us. It's really just me. It's me. So you can follow me. You can follow this podcast and uh, get updates about what's going on on those places. So give us a like, give us a follow, and give us a share. Just substitute I for us. I, me, this podcast, whatever. Here's the show. You're listening to Passerby, the podcast where we talk about living in in the the national epicenter of COVID and somehow end on a lighter note. My name is Bellamy Jr., your host, and today we are here with Chris from New York. Hi, Chris. Hey. How are how are you doing this this lovely evening? Uh, I am. I'm good. I would say I'm good. I've had sort of a long day, but not for any one reason, just lots of things pulling me in various directions. Mm. Busy day, but not busy, really like busy. Specifically busy to any one particular thing. Busy. I went uh, I went to see an apartment showing for a friend of mine that lives across the street, an old friend of mine. Okay. And, uh, apartment showings in Manhattan during COVID are a whole they're a whole deal. What's that what's that like? Well, today, today there was a, I mean, sort of a, a wonderful, very sort of like middle-aged New york woman who was, everybody appears to be very, like they, at least in New York, they take COVID very seriously. Like, mm. you know, in, in general, I hear some horror stories from various places, but at least in, in New York City, it's, I think it was so bad here that people take it seriously. So this was the first time I'd ever been in a situation where I was like, okay, this is a little bit over the top. So they had, they had people putting like those medical, those little blue medical bags that they put on your feet. They had people putting those on okay. to like go into the room. And then like, they were handing out like, all, like all sorts of like, everybody was like made to do the glove thing. And also of course everybody was wearing masks and it was mm. just like, it really seemed like going into a surgery, which I mean, I appreciate it. Right. But it's just yeah, like, it's yeah. like a lot when you're, cause I also, I'm, I'm paranoid about this kind of thing. So I have like a, uh, I have a, um, like a mask you use for carpentry. Okay. I, I mean, that's the only way I would ever agree to go into a public space. Well, I mean, I, I guess the, as far as either end of the spectrum goes, you'd rather have people be overly cautious. Absolutely, absolutely. Than be, than be distinctly American about it, because the, the opposite is obviously significantly worse. Oh, yeah, I guess it's just, it's funny, it's just the only time, I mean, obviously, I haven't really seen anyone in mm. the past six and a half months, but yeah. uh, it's, it's just the first time where I caught myself being like, man, this is really overkill. And then I was like, mm, like 200,000 people died. Maybe it's like, you know, maybe there's no way to be overkill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> right. Maybe I'm being a dick, but either way. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was those, those like, those like New Yorker senses that kicked in where I wanted to complain about everything. Yeah. So yeah. It's like, ah, for the first time in my life, maybe this is like all cool. I should, it's like joke about it, you know? 
<laughs> Especially it was also it wasn't for me. I was there, you know, with a friend. So yeah. So I that was be, I wouldn't um, be very nice. <laughs> that was the last place you went. Then you didn't you didn't go anywhere else outside of that. Oh yeah. Um. No, I no. I went. We went right there. I came right back. Took a shower. Right. Oh, God. You know, like yeah. Uh, cause I you know I haven't been in a public place like inside a building that other people have been in, mm-hmm. for, like my family for for since the end of February, I think probably. Really, that seems that's really that's a long time to like not be anywhere else. I really have a lot of sort of privilege in that way being an engineer. Mm-hmm. I think that like I can, and it's beneficial for my bosses, fortunately or unfortunately, they'd rather me just stick my face in a computer and never leave. So like I get, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like incentive for me to just stay in this room that you see here, you know? So it, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, it's a lot. I think in a way I, I seem to cope well, at least I seem to cope that better, that, excuse me, I seem to cope better than others. Mm um with that and i can totally understand i i'm not sure if i like the fact that i cope very well with it yeah. it strikes me as something that could be abused by people and certainly to a degree it's as as per usual it's being abused by bosses right <laughs> but like you know uh, what are you gonna do i i i'm i'm very lucky to be able to sit in the little room and you know i don't live with anybody else so so it's it hasn't been like particularly off-putting for you to to isolate yourself it seems like you're 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 engaging in a degree of isolation that most other people um, haven't. Not that you're like bubble boying it, but that you said no. you really aren't going anywhere. Like at no, all. no, I'm really not going anywhere. And part of it is like, I just, I think the thing that, this is actually a really interesting thing, which I feel like there hasn't been enough time for me to establish yet is like the experience of other, that other people had during mm-hmm. like, March and April because so I've lived I've lived here for about nine years okay and March and April it was a little scary right like in New York like there you know like hundreds and hundreds of people were dying every day just yeah. like you know that like I don't even I don't even know what the what the thing was but um it that was it was a little a little creepy you know, yeah. I don't really know how to, how to put it, but it was, it was definitely like disturbing in a little bit in a sense. And like at that time, I think it's easy to, I feel like it's one of those, it's like good to talk about it like for the record, because mm-hmm. like there was a significant poverty of information at that time. So I think that's what added to it is like, if I knew everything that now we all know about COVID, right. It, I, I would have had a different experience of that. I would have you know, gone for lots of walks, really long walks outside, yeah. just like a mask or whatever, but nobody knew anything about it. And, you know, so, so like I was, I was definitely afraid of just like going to get groceries or to touch groceries, you know, because yeah, you didn't yeah. really know. And so I think I was able to get into a bad sort of engineering brain place where I'm like, okay, I should accept zero risk. So I'll just like take any amount of precaution that I can possibly think of. Mm. Because other people can't, right? Because they they have to work. They, you know, people are delivering my packages and whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I was like, well, I'll just take myself out of the equation. But I think it's like super easy for me to go too far with that. And like, so so yeah. I don't, Wondering I don't though, because like, I mean, we're we're obviously in different cities, but I I've never been in. But now that we've had multiple epicenters in the United yeah. States, I've never been in an epicenter before. 
-hmm. So, I mean, the idea that like I was willing to go to a park even, you know, a couple of months ago and hang out with friends kind of at a distance doesn't seem like something that I may have done at all in New York. Yeah, I, I really, honestly, it's really difficult for me to, like, I think that's good. That's like the interesting thing. I think it's going to take a really long time for anybody to figure out to what degree this is all an expression of our own risk tolerances mm -hmm. that we just naturally have or whether or not like being directly in a place that every global news outlet was constantly talking about as yeah. like an epicenter of a pandemic, like whether or not that modified my behaviors. I mean, I tend to think of myself as a pretty risk averse, a risk averse person when I can control the risk. Like yeah. I don't have an issue taking risks on unknowns, like calculated risks, but I right. think, um, I don't know. There's like a thing about, or at least my mom always says, there's a thing about Jews and camping. <laughs> and like why, why, you know, why, why do, why make yourself, why make life harder? You know, it's just like that kind of a thing that I feel the same way. You know, I didn't ski for the first time until like two years ago. Because uh -huh. why take the, what, are you going to injure yourself, right? It's just like, <laughs> it's such a thing. And I feel like that's, that's gotten, that like has gotten into me in a weird way. And I, I you know, I like to take calculated risks. I yeah. Think. But uh, definitely this whole thing has been like, somebody, somebody, a friend, an old friend of mine, like from Japan, like posted on on um on facebook that like it was just a rant like a couple mm. of months ago that, like i see everybody like posting all these pictures and everything that they're doing and it's just like fine you do whatever you want but like don't call me <laughs> you know and that's basically that's basically my position where it's like fine i guess yeah. but like don't call me <laughs> right like i just it's not <laughs> i don't know well for the sake of not making this a uh, a covid podcast yeah right yes um for sure <laughs> we we will move on i, I should have actually mm -hmm. done this before we started but um the the kind of the structure is uh, mm. we've gone over it to a degree but for everyone listening um that was the intro but we do like an intro um kind of like a deep divey figure out who chris is in an hour mm. questions um and then we'll wrap up with some ridiculous shit that i've written at the end um so we'll move on from 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 our intro then and uh i'll start asking you some some questions about you um i hope they're interesting i i, I would interesting. i think um in i've only done maybe four episodes of this now yeah um and what i'm learning is that everyone no matter what questions i ask them uh -huh. turns out to be an interesting person I like that as a premise, honestly. I remember I listened to, I think, two other episodes. Mm. And I I found the premise to be very, like, elegantly stated in that way, that, like, people are interesting, right? And you don't have to do much to get that. You, know? you, you, tru you truly don't. I don't. And, yeah. and one of the things that, that I'm learning in doing this is that everyone um, is relatable in some fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, either to your specific case, as as as, as happened with um, Jessica's episode and um, another person that I know, and just in general, kind of people relating to one another. So I, I, mm -hmm. I'm learning a lot actually doing this. But um, let's see. Here we go. I haven't asked anyone this question yet. 
Um, so you'll be the first one to answer this. Excellent. When when was the last time you went to the doctor? When was the last time I went to the doctor? It must have been. <clears throat> God, what you know what you know what the problem with answering this question is that there is no more concept of time at a macro <laughs> scale. So so I I know when you ask me that question, I know when, where, and why. Or right. when, I, I know like why i'm pretty sure it was just like a checkup at, mm -hmm. at a gp um but i i now honestly have to we are what what even month is it it must have been a year ago i i i think it was a year ago and i went to the doctor for a checkup my mother is a nutritionist and so okay. and and a jewish mother and so <laughs> i don't i don't get to not do things like that um and I guess uh, I can, I'll, I'll just, I can give, there's a lot of like weird, interesting things about this, mm -hmm. I guess. That, that <laughs> um, so I have like a bizarre vasovagal reaction to seeing needles. Okay. So, and it's literally the needle object itself. I basically like turn white and nearly pass out. Um, and it, I can't really control it. It's gotten better as I've gotten older a little bit, but okay. so I have this like one, nice little family practice GP guy in, in New York. And he has this whole thing where uh, he takes blood draws just for like standard blood mm -hmm. tests. He takes them in pitch black, in like a pitch black, like in hmm. the dark. And there's this whole thing. And I go to him because after like eight years, I finally found like one person that can do it without ruining my day. Huh. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, I think that's why, yeah, it was just like a routine checkup. Yeah, and I think it was because I always put these things off, and now I'm starting not to because I finally found somebody who can actually, like, doesn't make me have to go home and lie down for, like, 48 hours after I nearly throw up all over them. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a bizarre thing. I really dislike it about me, but it's it's one of those, it, it's, it's like a real thing. It's not... Mm. And a lot of the problem is like a lot of doctors, their doctors tend to fall into two categories. Ones that have never encountered it before and then they don't listen. Okay. Or ones that have, and then they basically like think about kicking you out hmm. because like it's, it gets, it gets kind of, you know, like I, I have like a mild sort of version of this because so I have you to like pass out on somebody. Yeah. But have you, have you been like kicked out of doctor's offices over this or like um, refused as a patient in some uh, way? Never refused as a patient. I'm, I was told uh, in high school by, I went, I went to give blood at like Red Cross or something when I okay. was in high school. I was a senior in high school and they, I was, I was in the car, the little van that they have. I was in there for two and a half hours and they told me like, thank you so much. Like never do this again. <laughs> Right. And they were just like, you know, this is a thing. Some people can't, you know, some people can't deal with it and it's fine, you know? And, and, and I, I don't, don't think I knew what to make of it back yeah. then, but I, it, apparently this response extends to things touching my eyeballs as well. Okay. So I don't do very well with, uh, I guess for your listeners, I wear glasses. <laughs> right. Uh, and so y you can see how that might cause a yeah. problem. So yeah. I, I had, um, the place where I get my glasses is like, uh, it's a couple of blocks away from here, let's okay. say. And, and so the first time I went in there, they have, you know, the optometrist and they just sort of, they get you in and they just 
put you in front of all the the, the, the puff test and they poke your eyes and all this stuff. And I, mm. the second that she dilated my pupils, I guess I turned green and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I just have this thing that happens. I'll be fine. She was like, no, no. And she like, it was raining. She made me go and sit outside on the street mm. for 15 minutes because she said that the last time someone said anything vaguely like this, he threw up all over her optometrist oh, like, office. And frankly, I, I, you know, anybody who has this worse than I do, I could see it. Yeah. You know, and so I, I don't I don't really blame her, but I have technically been kicked out of a doctor's office for sure. Does it has it so does it manifest as any sort of like nausea for you or do you just like the experience for me is a little bit of nausea, a lot of lightheadedness, okay, tunnel vision, and then what happens is uh, if I don't start thinking about it and really controlling my breathing and like mm-hmm. doing real like intentional breathing, I will basically pass out. Um, but it, I, I can control it. It's just like a lot of, I have to really be focused, like really focused on just continuously breathing and like mm. chilling out basically. Um, yeah, I'm not good with doctors. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really not good. I love like the medical profession. And at one point in my life, I really wanted to be a doctor. Yeah, yeah. And then I just sort of figured that, like, given that I can't stand to even be in the same room with, like, a syringe, like a big syringe, mm. it'd probably be, like, it's hard enough to be a doctor. And then to be that times, like, 10. Because I, I, I asked a doctor once, and I was like, how do you – is this, like, a thing? And they were like, oh, yeah, you know, when you do your residency, some people just pass out. And oh, I wow. guess if okay. you, just, you just keep doing it, it goes away. And I was like, well okay that's cool but also maybe i don't want to bother i don't know yeah i mean that, that seems like a lot to go through but also like i don't know if I'm, I'm gonna have a ton of confidence in a doctor that used to pass out looking at needles as long as they stopped passing out you know i think a lot of people are maybe maybe the argument is don't go to new doctors if you can avoid it yeah although maybe i mean they last <laughs> in america that might be the only way that you can even afford to go to a doctor at this point I mean, quite literally, if you if you're trying to find a therapist, I mean, that's like that's yeah. like, that's that's part of the game you play, right? Because you can sort of like double exploit somebody's labor for that because they have to do mm. their hours. It's yeah, like, that's uh, a thing. People yeah. go to like grad <clears throat> students for therapy because grad yep. students can't not that they, they can't, but that they don't charge you <clears throat> mm-hmm. kind of a significant amount for therapy because, like you said, they have to get their hours and their experience. And yeah, yeah, that's so, all fucked. Yes, every everything is fucked, Chris. All of it. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think that's something that we that might be why I'm I'm on this podcast is probably because we know that you and I both agree on a basic premise that everything <laughs> is fucked. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Passerby, the podcast where we talk about how fucked everything is. Hey, one way or another, if you're talking to people, right? And I, I have you ever had a non-American on on here? Uh, yes, um, oh, actually okay. two. Um, I've had a Canadian Ooh. and um, oh, right, yeah. a Brit. A Brit was on here as well, like a like a proper yeah. Brit, not like a Scot or anything like that. Like, <laughs> oh man, so we're going there already. Well, uh, we we'll, 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 we'll avoid all of that. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, what what do you uh, what do you think people see then when when they look at you? What's the first thing you think people will kind of, and I'm not talking like necessarily physical traits, but um, 
see i yeah i think my like where i went with that originally was mostly physical like mm. sort of um a bookish sort of nerdy kind of normal white guy i guess yeah. like in sort of an average white guy i mean i get i get that i am i look a couple years younger than i am um i think i always wonder <clears throat> i when, when when you ask that question it will inevitably derail into whether or not people can clock me as jewish so to speak mm. right and, and, and you know i don't have a Jewish name. Yeah. Um, and since I'm Italian, like I'm half Italian, half Ashkenazi. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the, then the nose can go either way, you know? So it's like, it's even, so it's, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I wonder the same thing, mm. right? Like exactly what people see, because I was just talking to somebody else about this and it totally out of context. I think it might've been a coworker or something, but like, it's even more disturbing when people do sort of clock me as Jewish because it, you gotta, I'm surprised by how good they are at that. And it's mm. disturbing, but <laughs> it's like, cause I don't know if I even, th I mean, I, I think I, for, if I was to tell you, you'd be like, Oh yeah, that figures. But like, you know, I don't, I don't know. So maybe, maybe I'm not sure what people see. Is that, is that something that you're concerned about being, having your, your ethnicity recognized when you're out and about? It's one of those things that you always, I think you learn growing up as like diaspora Jew mm -hmm. in America is, is that you learn it one way or another. I think, I, again, I have yet another one of those weird privilege axes that I sort of like lucked out with is that like in, in many situations I can kind of turn it on or off mm -hmm. because I think, I think I, you know, anyone who doesn't really care will just sort of think of me as some white guy. Right. Yeah. And I, and I just sound like where I came from and, you know whatever um if not a little bit like uh annoyingly sort of um maybe academic or like <laughs> engineering right like and i i like to talk so i don't i don't know and again all these things can go either way they can go jewish they can go italian mm. um i've been this whole time we've been talking i've been trying really hard to curtail curtail the flailing that the arms <laughs> that i that that like because i realize it's not <laughs> It's, it's just, you can't ever make it read. So I don't know. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, I, I think you, one way or another, if you acknowledge that you're, that you're Jewish in America, mm. you, at some point, you have to acknowledge what the recent and long past history of that is. Yeah. And then that's, that's just, it's just what it is that, that like, <clears throat> I think a lot of people do a lot of mental backbends about everything, but also about like trying to convince themselves that, you know, it's different now, this time it'll be different this time, you know, and it's just, mm. yeah, I, I don't, I don't buy it. I mean, I think what, what really taught me to think about these things is thinking deeply about the fact that other people without prompting recognized me as Jewish when even maybe at a certain time in my life, that was not, the first thing that I would think about by myself. Mm. So, so it made, I think there's always, there's always, uh, um, there's always talk about Jewish identity and who's Jewish and what's Jewish and all this stuff. And, mm. and for me, it has always been like, I didn't really get a choice, right? I think in a, in a, in a world where everything was equal, I would have been able to just choose. Yeah. Right. Whether or not I wanted to, because I, I don't think I, nothing, nothing, 
no other external factors are forcing me to participate in the culture or the religion, but like it is society has decided for me on several occasions that that is a sort of inescapable part of my, of my identity, person, whatever. Mm. And like, I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm not, I'm not unhappy about, about that, but it's, it is sort of a, um, it's a weird axis, right? Because I think people are right about all that discourse about Jews being white or whatever. And I fully, I mean, absolutely. There's like a lot of privilege. There's the Ashkenazi privilege, right? Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, I don't know if this has like a concrete end of thought. It just is, that's kind of just the thing I think about, I guess. You walk around and you wonder what people, you wonder what people think or see. I, is, I've got is there question. like a um? Is there like a particular instance where like something happened and you were you were kind of like quote unquote recognized as as Jewish? The last time it happened, that really stands out. I'm sure that it's happened before. I don't really. I think I don't. In New York, like in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. There are more Jews here than are more Ashkenazi. Like the diaspora is mostly here. Okay. I don't actually know if, if it's you know what the deal is with Israel at, at, at the moment with the numbers. I, I actually I haven't. I, I tend to have a bit of an issue with the idea of counting or any of that stuff. Right. I, I just I don't I don't like it. It unsettles me. Yeah. But um, I. The last time that it happened in a way that was that is I think in the spirit of what you're asking is like, it was the first time that I ever went to New Orleans. I think this was two, three years ago. Three, I, I, don't, I don't remember, three years ago, um, let's just say. And it was like an, a sort of an off season. It was like right before the season and I had never been there before, but I was with, um, it was for a birthday party of a, an old friend of mine and he'd been there a bunch. And um, we, I was just following them around because I'd never been there. I found that actually, and I didn't know that, you know, Louisiana is a beautiful place. And I actually really, you know, of course, for these reasons, I'm always very hesitant. I've never had a good experience personally. Mm -hmm. I've never had a good experience going to the South, um, Atlanta, Tennessee, uh, Louis, you know, something has always happened in this way that's been like, woof, can't wait to go back to the <laughs> little bubble of the Northeast. Something has always happened. And I was, I was so enthralled with New Orleans specifically, but Louisiana, because it really is like a cultural isolate. It's so interesting yeah. in that way. Like it has its own politics. It's barely America. And I say that in a, in a really good way, right? Like it's fascinating and it has a culture and, and everything. And, and I had forgotten that I was like, oh, okay, maybe this is sort of like, for lack of a better example, kind of like Miami, things that are like these cultural isolates. Okay. That may, maybe this is going to be different from the generic experience that I've had just sort of in the South anytime that I've had to go. And, uh, you know, so we were in some random bar off of Bourbon Street, and this was off season, so it wasn't like, it wasn't a bunch of drunk college kids that were there for spring break or whatever, because, yeah. you know, we were old. I think everybody, I think that's probably the youngest person. It was everybody, everybody's in their 30s, mid to late 30s. And um, random guy, you know, who was there at the bar, tight, tight cramp bars, like asking me, uh, or we, he was just 
talking and everybody was just talking and it was good. And he, he like, I think he might've known that we were from New York and I was in a big group of people with maybe eight or nine people. One of our mm-hmm. mutual friends was there actually. Um, and uh, the guy, when there was a lull in the conversation, literally turned and looked at me and was like, so are you Jewish? And hmm. I, that's, uh, that's like, an odd question to just like <clears throat> pop on someone. Exactly. And I think the more I go and experience the world, again, I'm forced to acknowledge that maybe it's not really all that odd. Yeah. Right. Like it, when people keep, when it keeps happening in the various ways, um, you're, you're, <laughs> you have to draw some conclusions. At some point. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I mean, so it's just, it's something that has happened to me and it continues to happen. I mean, again, I'm, I consider myself lucky to live where I do because people know Jews here. Yeah. You know, they, they have friends who are Jewish. And I think the Jews that stand out here are the more Hasidic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that the, the, the people's conception of, of Jewishness here, it has a, it has a definite thing and a, a, a visual and a place. And I don't think people, I, I guess in a way people are less interested in pointing us out. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And whereas I think it's, it's certainly the case that you go to a lot of places in this country and people will never have met a Jewish person. Mm. That's, that's the feedback that I get from some other people. So, I don't know. So did this, did this like end there? Did he just ask you and then you either answered or didn't, or was it like a thing? I said, I mean, it because of, it's interesting. I think this is like the part where my, the relative level of privilege in which I grew up and continue to live sort of, I immediately said, well, yeah, like why? Right. And I, and I think that people who have more, who have, who have like more dangerous sort of axes of oppression in the day to day in America Mm -hmm. might flinch at that because like, you know, that's how something bad happens. You know, it's like that. And, and, I, and I think like the sort of confidence of a mediocre white guy that I have is like, <laughs> it, it sort of allows me to be like, yeah, well, what about it? Right. In a way that really is perhaps if you're, if you're always thinking about worst case scenarios, yeah. that's not the right way to approach that situation. Um, so who knows? I don't, <laughs> maybe my mother one day, my grandmother will listen to this and say, Oh my God. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, I, Frankly, it's funny. I now don't, I think I kind of closed off to the whole thing after mm. that. And I don't exactly remember where. I think I probably turned to my friend Siga and was just like, yeah, this guy just like asked me out of nowhere if I was Jewish. I think we got to go. And he uh, was like, ooh, okay. And then we sort of all trickled out. Yeah, just I like was with did. a big group of people, so it wasn't like threatening. In any yeah, way. yeah, yeah. Um, but it always has, you know, and I think that's it is like, there's always, there's always that like little question where, you know, you're never sure. It's like, it's not threatening perhaps, but it's like, they're like pointing us out. Yeah. You know? Like, like why, are, thing. why is that the thing that you chose to ask me? Like mm-hmm. it could, so like, it could be like a, well, maybe it's a, the person that I want to engage with. And this is a way for me to start having just a conversation with them on one hand. Absolutely. But then on the other, it could absolutely be, well, I just want to know because I don't like Jewish people. Yeah. Or like, I want to be able to, I have all these, I've been, uh, you know, all I've heard about Jewish people is all this weird 
stuff yeah. that people say. So now I want to, I want to judge it for myself. Let's mm. see now if I, you know, and so that's, yeah. And I, and I absolutely think that like, as with people, anyone who interacts with people who, who they don't have like, um, I don't know what other word to use aside from conditioning for it. Like mm. they haven't, they don't have some sort of exposure to that. Some, some sort of normalization. They're gonna make, they're gonna do dumb things, mm. right? This person could have been, this per- person could have been like, for all I know, in the process of converting to Judaism. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, but I think one of the things that, that, non-Jews this is a thing non-Jews do you know it's like always just trying to point point out the Jew and it's like I think at some point maybe if, if that person really is it had the best of intentions they'll sort of realize at some point that you know, it's a little cringy yeah like maybe that's not the best way to to start that sort of a conversation at least right or it's it's not like a it's not a conversation piece in the middle of like a I don't know you in a bar to see yeah, you. we're clearly yeah. tourists in yeah time time and place time we will accept time yeah. and place for yes. whether or not you should ask someone if they're fucking jewish or not. <laughs> for everyone right. listening um a bar in new orleans for a person you've never met is not the place to ask someone if they're jewish yeah yeah without any sort of context it's like it's the lull in the conversation it's like the beat and then the question it's like were you waiting were you timing this question? yeah that like he was that person was absolutely waiting for several however many minutes or whatever and, yeah. and had that on, on on his mind for a while and that's the disconcerting bit because you can never know why yeah you unless know, he tells I, you or in, in, in one <laughs> way or another Right. Yeah. And, and, and he didn't, you know, I know for a fact that I can, because I know that I would remember it if the conversation went real South, like yeah. if this was some like, yeah. crazy white supremacist, like KKK guy, you know, who I have, I have met those people, you know, and like, they tell you, you know, you know, so I don't, he, it wasn't the response that I got, but then again, you just, you never, you never know. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it is uncomfortable enough that you're just mm-hmm. like, mm, maybe we should, maybe we should leave. Yeah, and that's what okay. we do. Well, we'll, 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 we're going to change gears. I've, I say okay. that like every fucking time I do this. With <laughs> like, oh, we're going to change. Like, I need a new like thing to say because I've been saying that for God knows how I'll long. think about it. Um, when was the last time you remember? So, all right. I, I do this and I do think that this is a good preface to this to this question. Um, okay. I don't want you to rack your brain for mm-hmm. the biggest thing when I ask okay. you this question. I, I want you to answer kind of naturally in that in that regard. I don't want you to sit there and try and figure out like the most grandiose whatever. Okay. Um, but when's the uh when's the last time you were happy? When's the last time I was happy? Um interesting i guess i recently so i've been going every every like month i'll go and see my my parents live like an hour and a half drive from here okay they've come to get me to like go home just because they're you know they're locked into so Mm. i think that was i was definitely happy i think there's like a lot of little minutes of happy uh, in, in, you know, every once in a while, even in, in the sort of lockdown situation. Mm. Um, yeah, so I guess those two things give me little, little moments versus like, yeah, the last time I think I saw 
Um, or I guess we, uh, my, I have, a, I have an old friend who lives across the street from me mm. and again, time is just such a, I don't know when anything happens. It could have been last night or it could have been the night before. I honestly don't remember. Right. We, uh, we went, one of the nice things about living in, in Manhattan is that again, everybody takes the masks seriously. Mm. And we had, I had a seafood carbonara on the, on the street, like street dining. Okay. That I was happy. <laughs> I think that I think that's the last time, and it was like a couple days ago. Hmm. Because oh, and I've gotten much better at cooking, but like, <laughs> come on! I mean, I could see that. You know, I, I'm not. I'm never going to be that person. And oh man. Uh, so it's for seafood. I don't, I don't. How did you seafood carbon? Seafood I don't. Car- know. Carbonara. It's like um. Yeah. It's it's it's. You've probably seen it. It's basically the general name for any pasta dish that it's like a linguine dish with like a thick cheesy sort of white sauce okay okay um and it usually has white wine and so this had mussels and squid delicious i hadn't i don't remember the last time i went out oh i i had someone else make me food in any way so this was um this wasn't like made at a restaurant and taken out like someone like your neighbor made it or something. No, no, it was so basically like the, the, the Lower East Side right now is it's kind of like Mardi Gras or it was they there. Now there's this 11 PM rule where they're not allowed to serve drinks after 11 PM. Okay. A lot of us are upset about this because it's moral panic from the twenties, but um, you know, it, right now you go outside, it's very much, Everybody seems to relatively people take the, the mask seriously. Hmm. Nobody's allowed inside. So it's just like streets and streets. They closed finally after all these years. They've they've closed many of those the non avenues to car traffic. So it's all pedestrian and it's okay. like all the stall that there's tables for all the restaurants um, that are just out in the street. And you can kind of just go and not sit anywhere near anyone else and get like table service and everyone wears masks and stuff. So every once in a while. I think we've done that twice now in the past like six months and it's, mm. it's a little weird and creepy and you know, you, you can never take your mind off it, at least for me. Yeah. Um, but it is, man, is it nice to just have real food? <laughs> I don't know. That sounds really pleasant because that, what, what it sounds like has happened then is that like the, the semi public space that is a sidewalk has become like kind of business operational space. And then the streets are now how people move around sounds like immediate danger of being run the fuck over. Exactly. And there's one of the crazy things to see is um, Manhattan without tourists. I don't think anyone has Mm. ever seen that. And it's something that, you know, when, when you go out, it's New Yorkers and you know, now that the numbers have been really good for a while, people from New Jersey and Long Island kind of drive in and, you know, I, I, but uh, yeah, it's, yeah, there's a lot of, it's, it's more, it's more like a community. I don't know. All the people that are there really, you know, they want to be there because you could have left, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So. So you, do you think you've gotten to know maybe like, so you said it was more like a community. Do you think you've gotten to know more of like your immediate neighbors that you hadn't otherwise met? I think, unfortunately, I think if I had to go, if I couldn't avoid going outside, like I have had the luxury of being able to do, I mm. think I probably would have. I, unfortunately, 
I think that's kind of what I'm sacrificing, right? By yeah. by by staying inside because, which is again, it's it's just unfortunate because I I'm always interested in people in that way. It's one of the reasons why you deal with the crazy premium on space because mm. there's just so many people. But yeah, and unfortunately, I don't think so. I think I think it's sort of I don't know. It's it. You could tell everybody wants to do that, but then there's there is a there's a hesitance to get too close to anybody, which yeah. is it's healthy, but it's sad, you know. Anyway, we don't have to. I feel I feel bad, and now it's it's making it a COVID COVID. No, I, I, I feel like I feel like um. So the I I don't direct conversation. I nudge. Sure. Yeah. Um, because I I feel like the way the conversation goes when we talk about whatever with whoever is on the podcast is a reflection of the person. Hmm, fair. And, and I guess I've had nothing to do except work and think about COVID for like <laughs> six months, right? Like I, I, uh, the, the setting here is that, you know, I sit where you're seeing me sit right now, basically all day, all day, every day. And I have a window mm. that's, that is to my right. And I look out the window. <laughs> and I don't, you know, it's like uh, it's sort, it's somewhat dystopian if it wasn't very quiet. Yeah, it's really quiet. You know, I don't. Maybe that's a Jewish thing. I kind of sit, sit here and sort of count my blessings. I don't know. <laughs> it's like I, uh, you know, that's, it could be could be worse. Is there is there a place? Um, because I feel like a lot of this um, is going to be about where you live. Um, sure. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep there. Um, is, sure. is there a place in New York that um, you miss specifically that you, that you haven't been able to go to since this has all started? That's a really good question. Um, <clears throat> you know, what is interesting, which really made me very, it's the thing that I, I got very emotional about really early on, maybe in March. Mm -hmm. I think what I miss is not necessarily, I miss New York as the place. Yeah. Because it's like off. It's less off now, but it was off for a while. Mm. And I, I think I miss New York as the place. Okay. Um, I, you know, I, I, I can think of various places that I would want to go, but it's not those places necessarily that I miss. It's New York. Yeah. Right. It's it like, like even walking to work or to like, I miss taking the subway. Frankly, I love public transit. Mm. So it's, it's, you know, it's, um, I, is there a specific place? Well, Not so when, when you, when you say you miss New York, Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're not necessarily talking about a place so much as you're talking about a culture. What is it about, New York that is missing now that that mm. you miss having the time it's, it's just the experience I don't you know you know I think this might be the thing that whenever I whenever I talk to friends and family and people who went a different paths with their lives and live in the suburbs or live mm. in the west coast or in another country you know and I've lived in a what 400 square foot apartment for nine years and people say, Oh, how are you? You know, that sounds whatever. I think there's a, there's just some people love that thing, mm. that thing about 
being in the in the in one of the centers of the universe, right? And it's just um, for me, I I think casually being able to buy. I don't actually drink milk, but I'm just saying, like being able to look, like a. a being able to buy milk mm. at two in the morning just because I feel like it or because I <laughs> forgot or something like that is something that I, that, that level of convenience mm. and access to things and people and parks and, you know, you got parks back now for sure, mm. but uh, and public transit and um, all of that stuff together, the speed, like the hustle and bustle of it, the speed, mm. easy, easy, the best food in the world. Like, um, a decision I made in the last 10 seconds just from having this conversation is I am going to order delivery pizza <laughs> um, um, because I, I haven't done that in life. You know, and you, I guess it's, it's so easy to just get stuck in this loop of get up, make food, work, make food, sleep yeah. thing that it's like, I could be anywhere, you know, but I, I think I miss, it'll go back eventually, but I miss that. So yeah, I guess in a way it's like, there's like, I feel like I'm parading myself around the city in like this glass box, like it's mm -hmm. a museum. Like I'm seeing all these places and things that, that I've always wanted to see. Yeah. But now they're off, you know, it's like, I think that's the best. I, I, frankly, I have a really hard time explaining what it is that I mean when I say New York, it's just a thing. Yeah. It's a vibe, many places, people. I don't know. Yeah, I don't mean to leave you dead air here. It's, it's just, uh, I, I'm not sure how to, how to explain it. It just is, that's, that's the best answer. That's the most honest answer I can give you. What do I miss about New York? It's New York. It's like this thing. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm a city boy. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. I understand. I, I am also a city, city person. Um, yeah. Not, not so much a New York city person, more so sure, a, yeah. a mid-sized city person. But yeah, no, I, I, I think I understand it's i'm trying to formulate um kind of a question to to poke at that thing that you're referring to mm -hmm. because like so like here in philadelphia mm -hmm. there's that thing right yeah um and new york doesn't have it not because nope. you know it's uh it's bad but because it is specific to here and it's never going to be anywhere else but here because it is here. It's that thing that Philadelphia mm -hmm. is. I know when I'm in Philadelphia because I feel like I'm in Philadelphia. Yes, yes, definitely. You know, I miss uh, my, my brother lives in Boston and I went to school in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And so like a lot of my friends, like by volume, my friends live in Boston just because that's, you know, I was in school for six years. And yeah. All my, I went to Mass and all my friends are in Boston. So I told, I really miss Boston in the same way and that it's just not in New York, you know, they, they're different feelings and you can never get, you can't, you can't get Boston in New York. Yeah. You can't get Boston in Tokyo. It's just Boston. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you something kind of out of left field then. Sure. When's the last time you remember crying over a person? Crying over a person. Oof. And not necessarily like physically shedding tears, but even yeah. maybe metaphorically oh, yeah. speaking. Crying over a person. 
It's funny, I think, I think the last time I, I, I actually cried hmm. was that time when I was, it, it sort of, the, the whole like pandemic lockdown thing sort of hit me hmm. at, a, at a certain day, like in March, like when it was getting really nuts here. Yeah. And I kind of had like an overwhelmed sort of realization of like the gravity of the thing. Because I had been listening to it on to BBC or whatever, they were talking about this shit since December. Yeah, right. But it's just it's a faraway thing, and then it was like happening all around me in a weird way. And I, because I, I was, I say this because I was about to say, well, I can't. I'm not sure I can think of a time when it when when I cried that wasn't over a person. Mm-hmm. And so it's just I got to think about the last thing. But notably, I think that was a time when it was. That's like the only time I can think of when it wasn't about a person. And I'm trying to think. It must have been. It's probably going to have been three or four years ago. Hmm. I think I yeah. It, it basically in a context you could probably presume I had sort of like a long, a a, a sort of a breakup that never happened that should have. Hmm. You know, and it, it was one of those things that I think both of us were capable of putting off mm-hmm. easily because we're, you know, happy, nice people who don't want to, you know, why, why, I guess maybe we value being friends with our exes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of dragged, it like dragged for a while. And um, I think when I finally reached that, thing on my own where I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is over. That was just a long relationship, maybe seven years. Okay. Um, that's probably it, I would say. So how long, how long did, were you, do you think you were in this relationship for um, beyond kind of the life of it? Oh, man. It, well, I, you know, I don't, I'm not even really sure how to answer that, I think. It's because, it's again, it's like the time kind of runs together. I, I yeah. sort of view that thing as like a s- six or seven year mm-hmm. relationship. Um, and I think depending on which of my friends or, or other partners that you ask, they would probably draw different lines. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really sure. Um, I have certainly thought about that before because of course this was the issue at the end of it was like, what, you know, I just sort of let this, the joke, you know, the sort of joke about poly people about how like poly people don't break up, they transition or whatever. <laughs> um, right. Or they, or they, I guess um, I'm, I'm probably miss sort of quoting that thing, but um, finality can be good. Right. Is what I'm yeah. saying. And I think, yeah. I think I, I, we were, we were sort of both, because of partially because of circumstance and part of because of how we are as people, we sort of deprived ourselves of that, that finality, which can be good, right? Yeah. Like you end a thing, you have a before and after. Um, yeah. So I guess I don't have an answer for you for that one. I don't <laughs> know how long it was. It was very, it was very fluid. I don't know. So, so you, you said, you mentioned two things um, that, that kind of, that I think my brain cued in on. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask you about both of them and probably ask you about both of them in tandem because I think that from the way you're talking about it, that that the two are are, um, related Mm -hmm. um, or at least tied in some way. But you mentioned that you're polyamorous and you also mentioned Mm -hmm. that you, like the joke, the quote unquote joke is that polyamorous people 
don't break up, they transition. So what I think you're, you're saying or have said in totality is that um, you, you don't, you haven't like ended relationships. You've just changed the terms with which. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that there's like an elegant, there's, you know, in, 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 depending on what mood you're in, you can kind of like philosophize about how elegant and, and beautiful that is and mm-hmm. high-minded or whatever, but then it also like can suck, right? Like in this, in this way mm. where, as I think we agreed, it's like finality is a, can be a good thing, right? You should be to move on. Sometimes yeah. you got to move on from the thing. Um, and I, yeah. So yes, to both of those. Yes. Yes. I think to both of those questions. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, um, I think it's, it's difficult, right? Because like you can, at least for me, when I get, when I really analyze intimacy and relationships, I think it's something that, that maybe this is what makes me a poly person Mm. that like, it's really a continuum, like a very nuanced continuum. Mm -hmm. And the result of that is that it's really easy to go to a place where like, yes, this is a very close friend of mine. We're not romantic or whatever. And it, yeah. Things can, you know, and then it, maybe other people in your life have, uh, they have very rigid ways of thinking about that. So they mm. are constantly trying to get you to fit it into their view and mold. And so it can be difficult, difficult, I guess. I don't know. But, and, you know, and I think, I think one of those things is like, as, as, as a, a sort of pot, like, a, I guess I would call myself like a low key poly person, right? Like mm. I don't, I'm not, I'm not really like, it's just how I am. It's just like a fact of me. Mm-hmm. It's not like something, I don't have too much of a desire personally for like a community as much as I can totally see why that would be good. Yeah. Um, it's more just a thing that I am. It's not like a, doesn't really play a big role maybe in the in, in like how I want to like spend my hours in the day mm-hmm. but like I think it's easy to get annoyed at the way in which quote unquote I guess mono I don't mean this in a dismissive way but like mono people mm. how, how how mono people try to put all relationships all intimacy in these like little bodies these like five three little boxes mm. You know, and, and if you don't want to do that, but then, you know, you can get, you, you end up in these situations where maybe you don't have like a, 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 a finality, like a thing that ends yeah. and begins or whatever. And it's, it's can be negative. I think. Do you think that's something that you find yourself craving sometimes as like an end? For me, and I think that's why I end up in those situations, is that it's it's something that I only think would have been nicer in retrospect. I think it's easy. Mm. It's like it's, it's like the pot boiling. You don't you don't realize it until it's like way too late. You know? Yeah. So, um, and I think I've always kind of been bad at that of being. I, I think in 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 relationships, I tend to be really bad at managing like the sunk cost fallacy. You know, where it's like, well, I put so much work into this, and so it is thus worth effectively infinite more work, right? Which yeah. is not, that's not, that's not how relationships work. I mean, come on. So, but it's, I don't know, for some reason, it's really easy for me to think that way. I don't know why. So you, you said that 
being polyamorous is kind of like a component of you, right? Mm -hmm. It's not something that, at least what I'm getting is, is it's not something you've chosen to do so much as it's something like a portion of who you are. Like when, when did you sort of realize that? I realized that when a really, really, really old friend of mine told me I should read the book, The Ethical Slut. Okay. Because clearly I was, I think I was complaining about some relationship thing or some way that I was feeling. And, mm-hmm. and, and they, they said, I think you really need to read this book. Here's a PDF, right? Like, and, <laughs> and so, um, and it was like, it was, there was all sorts of stuff happen that, that, that ha- you know, that it was, I remember that whole process. I read it on a plane, mm-hmm. the whole thing on, a, on like a six, six hour plane ride. And it was all like, my whole worldview was all shifted. <laughs> you know, uh, fast forward to like a couple of months ago, this, this was maybe eight or nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to a couple of months ago and there was like a whole casual like Sunday morning uh, BBC Radio 4 thing about the ethical slut, mm-hmm. about the book where they were like interviewing people and it was like, oh, let's talk about this interesting thing, right? And it's just, it was shocking to me because the degree to which I got like pretty crazy levels of pushback, you know, at that time Mm. versus now casually discuss this on a radio program, right? (laughs) It's like a, I don't like a mainstream radio program. Um, It's just interesting to me. I think, to, I guess to get to what what you're what you're probably asking, I I I never. It, it took me a long time to realize this, but I never I never really experienced jealousy. Mm. So and up until maybe like a like a conversation, just a casual conversation with no context that I had a couple of months ago, I had always thought, well, I experienced some types of a little bit of jealousy in certain ways about experiences and whatever. And, and the, that same friend actually said. Yeah, you're describing envy, not <laughs> jealousy. And I uh, and immediately I said, yet again, you know, you're right about this, right? Mm. <laughs> and so I think I had for I had been emulating the sort of masculine presumption of jealousy. Mm-hmm. And I have had several mono relationships where I think people had been off-put, my partners had been off-put by my lack of jealousy. Mm. There's an expectation that I would be sort of like jealous. And I can remember a few, I can remember certain times if I feel like in retrospect, I was getting baited into displaying some sort of protectiveness or jealousy, Mm. you know, and I, and I remember thinking at that time, like, it's just weird. And it didn't bother me at the time, but I remember thinking, ah, this is one of those things. I know Mm. what I should say. And I think in a couple of times I, I, I sort of like, it ended up, going a little badly because I, I was like, I know what you want me to say. I'm not, I'm not going to say what you, <laughs> you know, like I don't feel that way. Um, and I guess uh, until I read that book, I hadn't really, it was amazing. Cause it's, it's, again, it's this question of representation. The second somebody says the thing mm. when that they write it down, it's like the whole, the whole propped up, set of social norms you're in this room and you think you're in a room but it's all just like paper walls yeah but you never you never thought to like hit them you know like push yeah and that was that was my experience with it and i was like wow this describes me in every way all of this is really like 
relatively thought provoking mm. because they're, you know, it's some old woman who was like writing about it in like way before in a time when this was like really radical, mm. you know, so this isn't, it's also not just some sort of hipster shit, <laughs> right? Like somebody has, people have been formally thinking about these things for a while. Like mm-hmm. this is not, you know, and it was, it was like really easy for me to, I don't know. I guess it gave me a whole lot of ways to talk about things that I already felt like. Yeah. And all of a sudden it didn't seem like, Oh, I guess I'm just like weird in that way. Or maybe I don't care. You know, it's like, no, I just, I just don't experience things in that way. So you said something a, a, a little bit ago that you, you, you were almost baited into kind of expressing jealousy. Yeah. Yeah. What, is there like a specific instance that you can remember where that happened? I, I, I can only remember these things sort of vaguely and their experiences with high school girlfriend or, mm-hmm. or at, well, college girlfriend actually. But unfortunately, I can't, I'm trying really hard to think of the specific thing, but I, I, you know, what's an interesting, what is an interesting thing that, and, and maybe this is part of me just being an inherently, whatever you want to call it, polyamorous person mm-hmm. or whatever, not, not having that sort of thing in my brain about jealousy in the Mm. standard way. I think I've definitely had at least one sort of standard mono relationship in the past that I recall this idea of like celebrity crushes being used to feel out that thing of like, how are you going to react to me being attracted to someone else? Mm. And I think when I offer no resistance to this and just earnest interest in it, (laughs) I think it like, Oh, you know what? I it, yeah. This is what it, we were we were on a we were on a couch in her parents' basement in New Jersey, and uh, and yeah, right. It's like it, it literally like just imagine Weezer, anything that you associate with the band Weezer, and it's just that you can read it and so just add some poly shit on it. But uh, well, not poly like uh, so me not knowing, and then it like being a standard, she had big hair, you know that kind of thing. Um, she was a writer. Uh, so yeah, it's like, um, what it was, it was a con. Yeah, it was a conversation. And I'm sure this has happened other times, but now I have this very clear now that we're talking about, it, I have this very clear memory of it was, um, oh my God, what is the name of the actor, the comedian from Rescue Me? Dennis Leary? Yes, it was Dennis Leary. She had a huge crush on Dennis Leary. And she was like, you know, so this conversation, we were watching Rescue Me. That's how mm. long ago this was. We were watching Rescue Me. And she was like, oh, he's on my list. He's on my list or something. He used, she used one of those things, mm. right? And, and, and I was like, what do you mean? She was like, oh, I totally bang him or something like that. And I was like, makes sense. You know, it's <laughs> like, I can see it. <laughs> you know? that'd be awesome i didn't say that but like you know because i but i didn't say that because i knew that that would be weird yeah and i think i didn't realize because i have i don't have any of those like identities i guess if you want to call i feel like that's that's so saying that out loud seems really dismissive of what i'm saying but but you i you know what i mean it's it's Mm. I don't have any one of those things about my personality that I, that I, I had to learn to really, I had to, that I had to censor so much that I became aware that I was doing it. Mm. So I think I was censoring myself at that time and I, it just didn't, it didn't occur to me that that's what I was doing. Okay. 
because I think I thought I was weird or I was just different. And I, I, I'm happy to be different, you know? Yeah. And so part, I think I got into a place where I was just like, that's one of those quirky things about me. I don't know. So. Uh, well, do you remember when you felt the need, at least in this regard, to like stop censoring that portion of yourself? I think it was way, it was after, um, it was several years after I first read The Ethical Slut. Okay. Um, and I, I think, honestly, when I started more deeply engaging with like, I guess gender politics and queer politics and stuff mm -hmm. and, and, and seeing a lot of friends come out as trans or as, as a later sort of non-binary um, in, in a sort of public way. Mm. And I, I felt like, I think it was in a separate context where I was, I started really making an effort to like de-gender my language. Okay. Just because, because it's like for various reasons, not, not, even just for some sort of, I hate this word, but sort of like allyship thing. Mm -hmm. But but because I frankly think that it's like easy and obvious to do. I don't know. It's like language changes. I don't know. Mm. But um, I think in that was the context where I was like, there is no reason for me to, especially me. Like I get away with a lot of crap. Yeah. Right? Just because of what I look like and who I am, and I, there was I. I think I just decided there was a point. I I. I <laughs> I, uh, I have actually a good story about this that I think you will appreciate. <laughs> okay. I told my mother this. Oh. Um, in Because I felt like I was, it wasn't a big deal for me. And I, but I felt like there was a point at which I have a very close relationship with my mother. And I felt like there was a, um, it was a, I was lying by omission and I don't like to do that. Mm. Um, not to her at least. So I, we were walking around. This is a complete coincidence. We, we, we had taken like a little family weekend vacation to Montreal. Okay. And we were wandering around uh, and it happened that it was Pride Week and it happened that we were in what turned out to be like a super gay area of Montreal <laughs> and we were just wandering around and we went to go get like a diner to sit down and we were in there, there was no one in there. And I just kind of like, I just sort of explained this to her at the table while we were mm. ordering. And I, it, none of this, of course, occurred to me at all. And then there were like four people, including a waiter, like super, super gay. Like everybody mm. in there was really gay. And I think that they all thought, all of a sudden, everybody was looking over and the waiter was being super nice <laughs> and like giving it. And, and I think they thought I was coming out. Because oh, okay. her reaction was so like not bad, but it was sort of like kind of not frantic. I don't know, like like sort of what does this mean? Like mm. what is this? She was trying to put it all together, and and I think obviously in that context, every other person in that room, just by coincidence, I guess, would have known very clearly what that conversation <laughs> is from afar. Yeah, right. It was a lot of. As far as I remember, there's a lot of like sort of white gay guys in there. And I guess that that means like English slash French speaking in that that mm -hmm. context. But and I totally I got super self-conscious about that at because I was like, oh God, this is not <laughs> I didn't mean for this to this is a serious misrepresentation of what I thought was gonna be a, uh, an interesting curiosity of a conversation, right? Like, oh god. 
and that was and it ended up just being funny and and you know i think there was like a little bit of coyness on the, mm. on the side of the, the the waiter or whoever it was like a corner deli or something we were sitting in what what did your mother what did your mother say do you remember she, yeah i mean you know i think she did exactly what to her credit, I think she did exactly what she had probably always told herself that she would do, mm-hmm. which was say, I support you and love you no matter what choices you make. Yeah. Right. Which I I think whether or not she really sort of understood what I was talking about, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Okay. Um, Has it altered your, your relationship with her at no, all? No. So nothing changed basically. Um, I think that she has a certain mindset deep in her mind that won't Mm. change, but that's her mindset. So I think it's like, it's not anything that's hoisted on me. Yeah. But I do, I mean, it like, I guess in a way it's another, so there's a, um, there's a thing about Jewish mothers where you get the, you get the guilt about the, especially being like the first son, you get Mm. the guilt about, about, well, when are you gonna when you're gonna have babies? It's really babies. <laughs> right? It's just it's babies. There's there's the whole thing about who get married, find a you know, blah blah blah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's about babies. <laughs> so I think that this is like the story like this has been added on to the chiding about that. Hmm. So it I guess in that way. And she, you know, I should say my mother is a saint. Hmm. She is in the pantheon of that thing Mm. she's nowhere even on the scale it's not like a thing that i have an issue with at all (laughs) but like you know it happens she's she's joking not joking you know that kind of a thing yeah yeah yeah. um so yeah i mean i i I guess not really i guess the answer is not really it's 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 like a thing that's there so in that way it's like an added context um but no i don't think in any meaningful just certainly not in any negative way that i can tell so there, there's your mother's come up several times since we've been talking. The Jewish mothers. Um, and and I haven't asked you about her yet, but I'm going to do that now. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> is you describe having like a really great relationship with her? Mm-hmm. Um, if 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 I were to ask you to tell me like a moment or a thing, kind of a. a an, an event that explained your mother to me what 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 would you is there a particular thing that comes to mind oh man um and not necessarily like her so much like in her own right but really kind of your mother as she relates to you i think mm. i yeah it's an interesting thing i trying to think of how like i think you know when when you ask that question there's a series of there's a series of stories it's, mm. it's always like that person everybody i think like the people close to you are like a series of right continuous stories in that way and, and i think um i the story for whatever reason the story that jumps into my head has has a little to do with me directly, but it says, I think a lot about her. There's this just sort of this like well-known sort of family story about, I guess. Um, so she's the oldest of three. Okay. She has two, two younger brothers, one middle brother and one, one, one younger mm. brother. 
and she famously, um, the, the, my uncle, the middle brother, was uh, bullied in school and she was older mm. and he was, he, was, he was getting bullied by somebody. Um, and that person, I get that guy like lived down the street from them. And so famously, my mother, after school, after hearing about this, I guess, or something, I don't know what exactly triggered it, but she must have heard about it. Mm. She went to that house, rung the doorbell, the kid opened the door and she punched him in the face <laughs> and just walked. You can see, I don't know how to answer your question because it's possible that to extrapolate why this is a good story, mm. you need to know her. Right. But then if you do, it's, that's very telling mm. of she, you know, she's a fighter Yeah, is what it is. I think in a way that is hard for women to be, I don't know. Is she, is she more confrontational than you think women are, are kind Not of expected to be? Okay. Not at all. So it's a type of, I mean, in a, in a big, in a, in a bigger way. I mean, she, obviously she's a person, she can be mm. confrontational, but no, 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 it's, it's not, it's more like, she's not someone that suffers roadblocks, right? Like she'll like get the thing mm -hmm. that she needs done, you know? Um, I don't know how else to, I don't know how else to put that. <laughs> um, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. Um, and certainly like in my life, she's instilled that and also instilled that, but also obviously like done that for me. I mean, I had, for instance, like total shit grades in high school, right? Yeah. Like, and I, I, uh, I got, you know, I applied to, to UMass Amherst because she went there and my, one of my uncles went there. So there was mm. like this legacy and we just assumed it would be easier for me to get in because I had total garbage grades. <laughs> and, uh, I ended up getting accepted to the art, the fine arts program, uh, because I had a really, really good AP art portfolio, which okay. yes, that is a thing. Um, I had like a really good portfolio. And so they accepted me to what was actually like a pretty competitive program, this like fine arts program there. And at that time, UMass Amherst was like a, you know, sort of a middling state school. It was, yeah. like, a, it was like a fine state school. This, the, the school itself rejected me. <laughs> and so she would have none of this and basically like dragged me. She was like, no, we're going to like basically yell at them until <laughs> they like to. So we drove two hours up to like the, the Dean of students office mm. and basically like demanded to be seen. And we were just like, <laughs> you know, this is ridiculous. Like you can't, you can't send someone an acceptance letter to a, mm a difficult program and then get, send them a second rejection letter a week later. <laughs> right. And they, and, and they were like, Oh yeah, you know, that doesn't really make very much sense, but it's the sort of thing where like she, it's that like not taking no for an answer kind of thing and mm. not in a Karen ish way. Yeah. Not like, let me speak to your manager because I think, and, and there's a nuance there, right. <laughs> of like, she went directly to the person. Yeah. She didn't make it an issue for, for, for nine layers of bureaucracy that that person installs such that they don't have to deal with bad, that with the effects of their actions. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know, it's, I think that it's just like, you learn, you learn from that.
So I think, yeah, I, I, the best that I can explain, like the, 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 like my relation with my mother is, is, is that plus obviously a whole bunch of first Jewish mm. child thing that like, it's just a thing. I don't know. I don't know how to describe that. <laughs> it's time <laughs> that we move on to the end segment of the podcast. Mm. And I have not, I tell everyone this now. I, I, have, I have purposefully avoided coming up with names for these things before we start because I am waiting for my creativity to kick in where I am able to name these things in an instant. And Excellent. I do not think you are the person that <laughs> that will happen with. <laughs> so are, are you ready to play? Uh, fuck. Uh, either or sucks. I don't want to call it that. That sucks. Uh, which is more, I don't know, fuck. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions about what shit you're more likely to do out of these things, and most of them are absurd. What are you I'm ready? more likely to do, yes. Yes. I'm ready. So, Chris, are you more likely to fight a child or a kangaroo? A child. Yeah? Yeah. Should I Should I contextualize that, or should we uh, I, that? I mean, <laughs> you, can, you can answer as much or as little as you choose to. I... I kangaroos are constantly they're, they're like have you ever seen like those those pictures of like kangaroos when they're like flexing those things are scary yeah they're not they're a kangaroo I, will fuck you up and i think i could you know the thing is i think i could like win a fight with a kid without really like hurting the kid <laughs> however it'd be like i think if me and a kangaroo were fighting one of us is gonna die uh, somebody's gonna right? end up so dead it's in like that situation. yeah exactly like you can't there's no there's no like uh th this is clearly over <laughs> right so let's go about our way there's no good end to that versus like you know you could just kid. like kids bounce if kids didn't bounce we wouldn't be here <laughs> right it's like it's 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 just like people who are so so crazy about like putting the sandwich in the fridge and it's like you know and if, if people couldn't eat you know meat off the ground that had been there for eight hours we'd all be dead right like we didn't have refrigeration for ten thousand years it's like you fine just like kids kids can bounce if they couldn't you know if, if there's a lesson to be drawn from this episode of the podcast is that <laughs> is the kids bounce everyone kids bounce that is true <laughs> All right, I'm going to. I should have prefaced this entire segment with um, <laughs> whether these are likely to happen is irrelevant, and the technological restraints or worldly restraints of these things are also completely irrelevant. Oh, everything. yes, I would, I would never fight a child, obviously. <laughs> Every, everything that I'm about to ask you exists yes. in the context of these questions, right? Right, right. Are you, are you more likely to get lost in the Arctic or in space? The Arctic, probably. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to nitpick the format. I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've watched a few. I've watched, I've listened to a few podcasts. I don't, <laughs> I don't like when people nitpick the format. So, yeah, no, definitely the Arctic. Again, this is, yet again, you know, I, I feel like I'm really learning something of, of my, about myself here with, with, <laughs> with regard to risk assessment. That, like, we've been, we've been talking about risk assessment this whole time. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I'd fight the kid because I'd be really afraid to fight a kangaroo because they're strong. Then it's like, which is scarier? I feel like if, if I was in, if I was navigating space, that presumes that I have tools to do so. But yes. if I like, there aren't really, I don't know where, how I'd be comfortable. Like the Arctic seems like a place that's designed to drive you nuts. Mm. So like, 
and, and maybe this is just because, I, I, you know, I'm like, a, I like science and spacey stuff and whatever. I'm an engineer, so maybe I just think I like space more and maybe like any sort of person who NASA engineer would listen to this and be like, you idiot. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Again, risk assessment. <laughs> are, are you are you more likely to have kids with an octopus or a raven? That's a good question. You know, at first I was going to say an octopus because of the relative level of intelligence, and I value that. Mm. However, I think I'm going to say raven because ravens are really smart too. Yes. And and right, which is why you know. Okay, I won't nitpick the format. I will <laughs> praise the format. Perhaps that's a good question. Um, I, I <laughs> if you thought you were going to get away without like a meta commentary about this, like that's kind of my MO. So uh, I, I, yeah, I just think, I think if we hold, if we hold basically like this, this vague notion of intelligence constant that like ravens are cooler and like a raven, a raven person mm. seems a little bit less of like an eldritch horror than like a, than like a, a an octopus person. <laughs> an, but an octopus, octopus person. Legs. <laughs> yeah, it's like HP Lovecraft's like fever dreams. You know? Oh god, like, that's I, I want to move on. That sounds horrible. <laughs> Are you yeah. more likely to get murdered or go missing? What do you think my answer is going to be to that? <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> I, I think I think if I think if any if I ever went missing, people would presume I was murdered. Right. Yeah. So so I would say I think because I know people think that. The answer is probably the former. It's I'm probably more likely. If there's any wisdom in the crowd, it's that it's I'm more likely to be murdered. <laughs> Are you more likely to skydive or dive under the sea? Ooh, good question. When you say dive under the sea, are we? Now I again. We're I doing I was risk assessment. The for... We're going to nitpick the format, and I was yeah. Now I'm, I'm trying to do risk assessment because if I'm if I imagine. What you're talking about is like a Jules Verne style diving bell or something. I'd probably do that. If what you were talking about was some like equivalent sort of like feat of weird goyish risk taking, I would I would probably <laughs> do the I would probably do the skydiving because it's like way better understood and you know there's there's no chance of getting the bends or whatever. Um, there are no skydiving bends. There are there are the bends from from diving so exactly strictly, yeah strictly from a risk assessment standpoint you are you are much less likely to to have much less likely to have like your eyeballs pop out if you just skydive Pro yeah exactly which is why i'm saying now now again that said if the context was okay di like diving bell or some something very like this this sort of romantic like slow <laughs> descent to the bottom of the marianas <laughs> trench and you observe some pretty fish i would do that totally I'd say I'd take that calculated risk because, like, they've done it. And, uh, like, I want to see that thing nobody's seen. Are you more likely to be possessed by a demon or haunted by a dead person? So we have a real issue here where I don't know how to judge the likelihood of either of those. And so I'm worried that I'm going to start to – I'm going to answer based on what I would more prefer to happen. <laughs> so it's like – and, and, and now you've, you've put me in a place where I can't do risk assessment, or maybe I can. So I – uh, mm, okay, I feel like I would prefer to be haunted. Yep, there's the risk assessment. I'd prefer to be haunted, haunted by a ghost 
because it would simultaneously prove a bunch of really wild things about reality, but mm. also would not re require me to uh, uh, lose a sort of very like deep level of free will. I don't like the idea of being possessed by anything. <laughs> so, so it's not like the demon, e like I'll choose the thing that I have a little bit more like free will over mm. because frankly, I can't imagine a way, unless, unless this is like some really dark comic universe, like dark cinematic universe where like the ghost could randomly kill people and make it seem like I did it. It's like, I, I don't know how they could, there is no haunting where I wouldn't be like, okay, let's be honest. This is awesome. Right? Like, I, I this, is, this is watching you try to, to put this into like a reasonable understanding is amazing. Hey. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to validate the format. Uh, are, are you are you more likely to lose an arm in a lightsaber duel or a leg in a lava accident? Ooh, good, good, good prequels question. Um, I let's see. Am I again? It's like the likelihood. I want to say it's got to be the the arm in a lightsaber thing because I think all of my crazy risk assessment. <laughs> Would, 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 it would go out the window. If you gave me a fucking lightsaber and you put me in a situation where I legitimately had to lightsaber battle with real consequences, I'd probably just say fucking yes. <laughs> Especially since th that's how the hero arc goes. He loses a hand and he then does. he gets a fantastic, like, cybernetic one. Yeah, and that, but then he ends up not being, not being a good guy, but then ultimately dies in an act of goodness. Yeah, it's a whole redemption Vietnam bad story, right? And like, I think, I think I would, I'd become like the tragic villain if if I could tell a whole other generation Vietnam bad. Are you more likely to knife a politician Caesar style or disappear an adversary Stalin style? There it is. I was, I was wondering at what point in this conversation I'd have to put some skin in the game. Um. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> uh, hmm. I the, the the Stalin adversaries way, and uh, this is the one I'm not going to explain. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> okay, one more, and then and then we are going to say goodbye. Okay. Are you more likely to marry Elon Musk? Or cast yourself willingly into the internal fiery pits of hell. Ah, yes. <laughs> Man. That Sart. He was right when he said hell is other people. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, oof, oof. Ooh. See, see you, you, can, you can deal with, with, with bad meme lord for... The remainder of your days. The remainder of his life. I yeah, am, yeah. let me. I'll tell you right now. I'm gonna outlive Elon fucking Musk. <laughs> or, um, or you, you get the, you get the burn in hell with the cool people. That's what I was just. See, that's you said it. I didn't say it because I was. That's exactly where my mind went. I was like, wait a minute. Like, if we're talking about the standard presumption of hell, like, I'm a non-religious Jew and I don't believe in hell. So to me, like the conception that's been put on me was it's all the cool it's like it's all the cool people i need to hang around with like einstein and pascal and whatever it's like you know it, it, you know i i uh 
I guess the question, like, it's bad because, like, um, if they were right, quote unquote, but just a little bit off, mm. uh, uh, then I would miss hanging out with people like Thomas Sankara or whatever. Then I would really misjudge, right? So I think you're still you got a Pascal's wager thing going on. I, I. Th- Frankly, I like actually don't know because I think I think when I think about that, it's like ridiculous. Obviously, an eternal an eternal eternal damnation is not is not worth any sort of like fixed amount of suffering. But then I'm gonna have to say I would rather marry Elon Musk out loud, <laughs> and I fucking can't bring myself to say it. And also, let me just tell you that I know this is gonna end up going in, and I'm I want to get on the record that you're making a bunch of people really happy by asking me this question. <laughs> like, and I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily happy about it. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I'm going to say, you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. I would take the eternal damnation. <laughs> yeah. I'm not giving. It's the only reasonable answer. <laughs> I'm not giving Cyrus the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> or, or the, the, I'm not, no, no, I'm, I'll never live it down. So, no. Nope. Well, Chris. Damnation. Chris, thank you for, for coming well, thank on. Thank you very much. This is great. Much I appreciate having you here. It was a good <laughs> was, conversation. I'm very glad that we got to have, after I think knowing each other for, for like peripherally for, I don't know how long, we have our first formal conversation. The, fir- the first podcast. time. On, on a on a public podcast, nonetheless. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty baller. See now, that's an angle. There's a killer. Hey!